But a specific topical message is what I mean. Just one where I said, Lord, this is a topical message from Acts chapter 8. And you know the story. It's just found in verse 26. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. We can put one in your hand. If you don't know the story, you're about to know the story. But most people have heard. Raise your hand if you've heard of the Ethiopian eunuch. Ethiopian eunuch. You've heard of this guy in a chariot. A miraculous story. We're going to read about it. And this kind of lead us into the taking of the Lord's Supper and then uh, into our baptism service. Starting with verse 26, Acts chapter 8. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south. You ever wonder what you should do in life? Wouldn't it be nice if an angel just came and told you where you're supposed to be today? Well, you're, you are where you're supposed to be today, so don't worry about that. But I look at these things, sometimes I'm like, wow, Lord, I wish you'd speak to me. Like, just send an angel. Look, here's where you're supposed to be at 4 o'clock tomorrow, whatever. I'm like, because I'm too dumb to figure things out sometimes. But an angel says to Philip, arise, go toward the south along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. God meets people in deserts, folks. This is desert. So he rose and went. Behold, a man of Ethiopia a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot. He was reading Isaiah the prophet. The spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. We'll stop right there. Lord, we ask again for the work of your spirit. We know you're here Remove any distraction that would keep anyone from growing in your grace or coming to know you for the first time as Lord and Savior. It's in your name we pray. Amen. The story of the Ethiopian eunuch is one of those before and after stories that reminds us that God cares about each person individually. Do you agree with that? Yeah, he loves the masses, but he sees you for you and me for me. This man, he had power. He probably had an entourage. This was, a, you know, you, see, you kind of see one, one dude in a chariot or something. No, no, he probably had an entire entourage. He had a high position of authority over a very dominant kingdom in that part of Africa at that time. He had leadership, leadership qualities. You wouldn't be chosen for this role unless you were a strong leader. He had wealth. He had influence. And he's endeavoring to find God, and yet God is going to finally find him. Now, God wasn't, like, God couldn't find him. I wonder where this guy is. But there's going to be a point of intersection between him and God. And it's not going to happen in his hometown. It's not going to happen in Jerusalem, where he thought he might find God. It's going to happen in the middle of a desert, isn't it? The middle of a desert, a guy he's never met, a place he would not have expected to find the revelation of what he needed and who God is. But if you're taking notes, I've titled uh, our time in the Word this morning, Pursued and Made New. Pursued and Made New. And this is what God has done. If you're saved, God has pursued you and made you new. I'm not the person I was prior to 1995. People meet me now, I can't imagine you doing this or thinking this way or speaking that way. I'm like, well, 
Some of it's on video, but we, they're on VHS, and they're in an attic, and no one really knows how to find that stuff anymore anyway. So as far as you're concerned, yes. But we've been pursued by God and made new by God. And this is what he does, and this is what he continues to do, and this is what he desires to do. And if you're taking notes, the first thing I want to look at is a silent call. A silent call. One of the things I now realize, so the Ethiopian unit, God had been drawing him. One of the things I now realize in hindsight are the many ways God was drawing me to himself long, long before I genuinely responded to the gospel with saving faith and surrender. You ever look back now and realize God was actually calling me then, I didn't see it. You may have perhaps observed some of these things in your own past life. Or possibly, as you've grown in Christ, you've been so focused on the next steps of your walk that you haven't given much thought to where God brought you from or the steps that he took to bring you to Christ. Or even the steps before the steps, that makes sense. Those steps before the steps. Or maybe you're still so new in the faith that you've not even thought much about where God brought you from or how he got you to this place. Other than to say, thank you, Jesus. Maybe that's where you're at. Thank you for rescuing me. Which, by the way, is a great place to be and a great attitude to never lose. Keep saying that. if That's all that you kind of have thought to this point. But as we look at this beautiful story that ends in conversion and ends in water baptism, I'm reminded that God was drawing us all personally, one person at a time, well before we recognized it, well before we were cognizant of it, well before we were convicted of it, before we felt the need for healing and forgiveness, God was already drawing us in, wasn't he? We're on a conveyor belt almost, if you will. Like the Ethiopian eunuch, you may have been inclined to religion at some point. I need to go to church. Not sure why I need to go to church. I need to go to church. I need to do something religious. I've met people who tried multiple religions before they were born again. You know Sam Nadler, who comes here? He had tried a bunch of different religions. I need to do something religious. Uh, and maybe you did, and yet something was still missing. Maybe even went to a Bible-teaching church. That's enough to save you, right? Not necessarily, right? Maybe even went to a Bible-teaching church, but yet something didn't connect. Yes, they taught the Bible, but it didn't connect. We don't know for sure, but it's very possible that the stories of the God of Israel, the true and living God, have been passed down in this region of Africa, down in Ethiopia, where he, this man had come up from, all, going back all the way to the days of King Solomon. When the Queen of Sheba, right, she had gone up there to inquire and found out that it was even more than she had even thought, and she returned to Africa and reported of the temple and the, of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Maybe this Ethiopian man thought for years, I don't know, we, we don't know, I'm just surmising possibilities here, but maybe he thought, one day I need to visit and see God for myself, or see what, is a, what God's about, or see what... Uh, I've heard about from the time I was a kid. The Apostle Paul, remember he was so zealous for the Scriptures. He was trained since he was a child in them. 
Eventually, he entered a career as a Pharisee. His career was in Judaism, if you will. He was working for the temple priesthood. But God had his eye on Paul long before Paul was born. Do you believe that? Long before he was born. And he was always shining little rays of light into Paul's life that he wouldn't see until later. He would see those things. Was it an accident that the day that Paul heard the dying proclamation of the gospel, of those merciful words of Jesus, remember Stephen said, lay not this sin to their charge. Very much like Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Very same heart there. You think it was an accident that Paul heard that as Stephen was dying? No. Those things were going in. Those things were going in, and they were laying the groundwork for his conversion. The Lord was speaking to Paul without saying his name. Later, he would say, Paul, or Saul, Saul, right? He changed his name to Paul, but Saul, Saul. Later, he'd hear him by name. But at that point, it was a silent call. God was already calling him. That would come. Like Paul, like this Ethiopian man, like you and me, all along the course of life, God is drawing us to himself. All along our life, whether we recognize it or not, God is always drawing us to himself, aligning our lives with his call on our soul. He calls your soul. He speaks to the soul. I can't really speak to your soul, but God can speak to your soul. The Spirit can speak to your soul. He may very well be calling someone in this room right now. He may be speaking to your soul by name, silently, but you, you sense that God is calling. But through the years, God has been protecting us from situations, from circumstances, even death. The fact that you're alive this morning is only based on God. It's not because of the vitamins you took this morning. The fact that you're alive is not because you eat really healthy or you have discovered essential oils or all these other things, right? <laughs> the fact that you're alive is not, and I'm not against those things, so don't get on faith. Oh, these things really work. I know I have some, but... That's not why you're alive. It's not because you ran this morning or exercised. Those things are beneficial, but a lot of people healthy die unexpectedly, very unexpectedly, and they were no more worthy or not worthy than you or me. So the only reason we're here is still by the grace of God. And sometimes you may have recognized things that, that God like was doing in your life, and you kind of look back and say, huh, that seemed odd. Odd would not be the word. You look back now and say, well, there's a little more than odd. Other times, we just never had a clue. I'll never forget, I was taking college classes, living down in uh, Miami and uh, Fort Lauderdale area at that time, and I was taking classes during the day. I was unsafe, so I was tending bar at night, taking classes during the day, getting home at like 3 in the morning, and I'd take this one back road shortcut that around 3 a.m. it was like a trucking uh, route. Um, at 3 a.m. there was no one on the road, not a single soul on the road. And I would take this home, and uh, there was this one four-way intersection that had blinking yellow. You know those blinking yellows in the middle of the night? They changed to a blinking yellow. So on the north-south, which I was on, you get a blinking yellow. On the east-west coming through, they get a red. They're supposed to stop. I get to slow down. And I would always slow down from 60 to about 40 before proceeding. I kind of look both ways and keep going around 40. 
gave me a 20-mile-an-hour buffer to see if anything was coming. This one night, I felt impressed to slow down to about 15 miles an hour. I don't know why. I just felt uh, I wasn't a Christian. I didn't have any kind of Holy Spirit. Uh, hey, you know, it wasn't like I was meditating on verses or anything like that. Uh, but I just had this impression to slow down to about 15, 20. I saw nothing out of my right or left. But then as I started to slow down, I'm almost to the middle. I'm almost to the middle. I see something out of my peripheral, and a car flies by me. I know it over 100 miles an hour. I could feel the momentum of the car go by. I slammed on the brakes, and at about 20 miles an hour, I did a full 360, and I ended up smack in the middle of the intersection, pointed directly north at a complete stop, and my heart's pounding. I can kind of feel it right now. Uh, my heart was pounding. <laughs> and there I was at a complete stop in the middle of the intersection, just Catching my breath, the other car was gone so fast I couldn't see it. It was already gone. It was out of sight. I don't know what kind of car it was. I'm guessing some kind of sports car. There was, it was complete silence. I didn't have the radio on. I couldn't hear anything except my own heartbeat. Blinking yellows above me. I'm dazed, sitting in the middle of the intersection. And I kind of regained myself, drive home, and here's what I thought. Well, that was fortunate. That was the depth. That was the depth of my thought. Wow, that was fortunate. As if I had, looking back, I know God. I wasn't even saved, and God says, "You need to slow down here, because I'm going to use you in a different way someday, and you can't get hit yet. You'll get hit." Yeah. But it basically went into the back of my mind and stayed there. I don't even know if have I even told you that one. Okay, I have. So. Uh, <laughs> You get old, you forget all kinds of stuff, you know. So. But I don't know that I came home and told you that. I don't know if I did I even that night. So maybe it made more impact. But either way, uh, you know, I just God stopped me, and I didn't see it. And then two or three years later is when we got saved. Two or three years later. So, um, but the silent call, God is drawing us well before we're recognizing it. God is drawing us, preserving us. If you look back, you may remember times. When you thought about God, maybe you picked up a Bible only to put it right back down again. You ever done that? Hey, I should read this. I'm in a hotel. Eh, sports center's on, right? Maybe I should, maybe I should check out what God is saying. Maybe he's speaking to me, and then I only have these fleeting thoughts and just kind of push them aside. Maybe I'm not ready to meet God if I were to die. A lot of people have this thought. Maybe I'm not really ready. If I should die... Would I be ready to meet God? People will think it, and they're like, I don't want to think about that. Turn up the music, right? What happens when I die? I wonder what my purpose for living is. Some people are asking themselves that. I wonder, wonder why I'm even alive. If the Bible is true, what does that mean to me? These are questions people ask of themselves before they finally give their lives to Jesus. It's that silent call of God provoking our thoughts. You know God does that? He provokes people's thoughts causes us to think about the future, causes us to think about eternity, causes us to think about, why did I get those parents? Don't dwell on that too long, right? You know, uh, kids, don't throw your parents under the bus. You know, don't do that. But at some point, God, he turns up the heat and he starts to stir our hearts, doesn't he? In a good way, he's turning up the heat. 
bringing us to him. And I believe that's what he did with this Ethiopian leader. The silent call has been tugging on his heart. I believe that. I think it's what got him all the way to Jerusalem. Let's take a look at the next point if you're taking notes, a searching heart. At some point, whether this was this Ethiopian eunuch's first visit to Jerusalem, if you will, his investigative journey or pilgrimage, or whether he had been there at other times before and was maybe given another try. Many people, I, I went to church a number of times and I didn't get saved. I'd give it another try and then not go for a while and go back. I mean, I understand what it's like to go. Let's try this again. He travels to Jerusalem and he doesn't just observe. The scriptures say he worshiped. Verse 27. And he had come to Jerusalem to what? To worship. He didn't know God personally, but he, yet he went there to worship. Do you know a lot of people go to church to worship and don't still know God? In this country, they go to church to worship, but they still don't know God. We'll get to why that's the case. And Jesus made it clear, too. Many will say, Lord, Lord. He travels to Jerusalem, and he goes there to worship, even though uh, he, he, again, he's not there just to be some casual observer. And even though he was a man of position and authority and worked for a great queen and a, a large kingdom as a eunuch, he would have been denied access to the temple. Did you know that, according to the law? He could not enter into the temple grounds because he was a eunuch. I, that had to be very disappointing. But he's apparently come to the place where he believes that the God of the Scriptures is the true and living God. I believe he really believes this at this point. I believe he believes that is the real God, and I'm trying to find him. He believes in God, like Nicodemus in John 3. Do you believe Nicodemus believed in God? Yes. He said, I, he said, I know you've come from God. And Jesus is like, you're just missing one little thing we're going to clear up tonight. And then you're going to be where you need to be. Same place with this. Ethiopian eunuch. He believes in God, but he doesn't know God. He believes God exists, and even that God is who he says he is, but he hasn't been adopted by God. Adopted by God. Become a child of God. But here's the thing. You first have to believe in God and believe the Word of God before you can believe in the gospel of God. So he's getting close. Remember Jesus said to one man, he goes, you're very near to the kingdom. You're close. You will be closer when you say, I believe the Bible's true. You'll really be closer still when I believe God is who he says he is. And God says, now the doors of light will start to open because God is going to give light to people who receive the light he's already given. And he's believing these things. God watches and weighs our hearts, don't you think? Watches and weighs our hearts. And while the Spirit of God continues to draw us and open our eyes to truth we've yet to come to, God is widening and speaking and drawing, and the Holy Spirit is impressing. So this searching man, likely he's outside the temple. He comes all the way to Jerusalem, cannot enter the temple grounds. He's outside the temple. He humbles himself, probably looking directly at it, maybe in through the east gate there, if you've been in our study of Nehemiah, maybe looking right through the east gate so he can catch at least a view of inside the temple. We don't know, but he's outside the temple, 
He humbles himself. He believes enough to worship there in Jerusalem outside the temple, even if he's just looking for a distance, from a distance. Do you know James 4, 6, it says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the who? Humble. God says, that man, he may not be in the temple, oh, but he's about to be in the family. And the first grace that God, see, God gives grace to the humble. The first grace that God gives is he gives us more truth and revelation that we actually need. God says, now that I know that you believe, now that I know that you've humbled yourself, I'm going to give you the truth that you need. Now, whether the Ethiopian eunuch already possessed the scriptures or he acquired them while he was in Jerusalem, we don't know. We know he has some scriptures, scrolls in his hand here. It's likely he was reading from the Septuagint. You know what the Septuagint is? That's when they took the Old Testament and they translated it from Hebrew into Greek. Ironically, that happened in Africa, in Egypt. Because King Ptolemy said, hey, most of the Jewish people here don't know Hebrew anymore. Because of the dispersion of the Jews, many of the uh, Jewish people living in Africa did not know Hebrew, so it was translated into Greek. And the Greek language was like English all the way up into the Roman Empire. Many people could speak Greek plus their native tongue, right? So whatever their native tongue plus Greek. Like, you know, you go around the world, many people can speak English plus their native tongue. Very common in that time. So it's, it's very possible, I would say likely, that he's reading a Greek translation. It's doubtful that he was speaking Hebrew, though it's possible. We wouldn't say impossible. He could have known Hebrew, but it's likely that he was reading the Greek translation, which many educated leaders of kingdoms could understand the Greek language and read it as well. Now, whether he's reading from Greek or Hebrew is not totally relevant. We know for sure what he's reading, don't we? That we know. He's reading from Isaiah chapter 53. What a great passage to just open your scroll to, right? What a chancy turn that is, right? <sighs> I can't rest. I was outside the temple. I thought I'd meet God. I thought I'd meet God. I thought I'd meet God. Maybe there's something in this scroll. How about this chapter? Isaiah 53. What a great place to turn to, right? He starts reading. And it's burning into his heart as he's searching the scriptures. And he's thinking, who is this? He says in verse, um, look at verse 30, Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. Philip knew his Bible. He's like, hey, he's reading. Philip's like, hey, I know that passage. That's Isaiah 53, right? By the way, they weren't in chapters then, but other than that, he says, do you understand what you're reading? Verse 31, the Ethiopian man says, how can I unless someone guides me? Even there is humility, isn't it? Boy, I wish I'd meet more people that say, I'd love to understand the Bible. Would you show me? This, pray that God tees up opportunities for you in life like this. I would love to. Does anyone know this? Philip's like, yeah, I was sent here. I was uh, minding my own business, and I was told to come find you. How can I, unless someone guides me, and he asked Philip to come up and sit with him in the place of the Scripture which he read. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. He was as a lamb before its shearers is silent. Verse 32. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth? 
even, he's asking, who is this? Even if this, even if he had um, some of the scriptures already, let's say he had other parts of the scriptures, this may have been the very first time he'd ever read the book of Isaiah. And it's pretty clearly the first time he'd ever been in this passage. It looks very clear that this was on new section to him. And even today, I don't know if you know this, many of you do, but some of you may not. Did you know that in temples and synagogues around the world, or synagogues, many Jewish rabbis totally avoid Isaiah 53? Not only do they avoid it, they even forbid and tell their congregants, ignore Isaiah 53. And this is the passage that God has him open. Uh, the very passage that today, in 2018, the rabbis say, ignore it, don't open it, don't read it. This guy opens to Isaiah 53. By the way, the very things God wants unsaved people to hear, Satan says, don't hear it. The very thing God wants you to listen to, he wants you to be here, and he says, now go to the beach. He wants you to hear God, he says, now go do something else. He wants you to hear God, the very places God wants you, Satan wants you the opposite direction. The Ethiopian eunuch, he's looking for a relationship with God. He opens this passage about the Lamb. Amazing. The Spirit of God has made his soul thirsty. His soul is getting thirstier. And the little he does know, or little does he know, little does he know that the lamb he's reading about is the Lamb of God. He would be familiar with the sacrifices of the temple, but he is not familiar. Who is this lamb? And this lamb holds the water of life. And this is where Philip follows John the Baptist's lead in, in John chapter 1 because he says, who is this? Verse 34, so the, Ethiop, so the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask of you, of whom does this prophet say this, of himself or some other man? And this is where Philip follows John the Baptist. Remember John the Baptist said, behold the Lamb of God. You don't have to know everything about the Bible to point people to Jesus. You don't have to know everything. A lot of times, well, I don't know enough. You know enough to say, well, Jesus is perfect. Let the Holy Spirit do the rest. You start doing that, he'll start giving you more words. It's one of the easiest. This, Acts chapter 8, is one of the easiest witnessing opportunities ever. Am I supposed to go? Yes, an angel came. What do I do when I get there? His Bible already be open. What passage should I read? He'll already be reading Isaiah 53. What should I say? He's going to ask you who this is. <laughs> Philip was fairly skilled even. But God says, today the checklist is all on me. All you need to do is when he says this, you say Jesus. Amen. Everything else has been done for you. Pray for softballs like that. But I tell you what, when you get a couple softballs like that, you'll actually be ready to do things that go outside your comfort zone. After this, Philip's going to go and preach all over the place because he was so amazed at what God did. But if you're not praying for these opportunities, you're not going to get them. You've got to start praying for them. Easiest witness and opportunity, God set the entire table. Let's look at the last thing, a Savior found. He opens his mouth. Philip says, um, and Philip opened his mouth, verse 35, and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. 
He preaches Jesus. You see, if you're searching for God, you have to find Jesus first. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. Jesus said he's the door. You can't get in the building unless you come to the door. Jesus said he's the way. He said he's the truth. He said he's the life. He said it this way. No man comes to the Father but by me. You don't ever have to make it into the physical temple. You don't ever have to have an animal sacrifice, but you do have to meet Jesus. You don't ever have to. It doesn't matter if you're a eunuch or a Gentile, and you can only get into the court of the Gentiles, and you couldn't get in at all. It doesn't matter. If you meet Jesus, you can meet the Father. No man comes to the Father but by him. In God we trust on our dollar bills and our coins is only true when we've come to believe in the Son for salvation. I've had people, I've, I've, I've witnessed to people that uh, are of various faiths, and they've told me, oh, I believe in God, I just don't believe in Jesus. I was like, I just need to show you a few things. You don't really believe in God. I mean, you believe that God exists, but you don't believe what God says about himself nor about his son. Paul said he would preach nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. This man searches over and it says, um, and preached Jesus to him, verse 30, says, now as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see here is water, what hinders me from being baptized? Philip said it this way, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Notice not just that Jesus is the Savior, but the Son of God. There's religions that deny that. But he believed that his relationship with God had to come through Jesus. Your relationship, my relationship with God comes through the blood of Jesus. That's why we're doing communion today. That's why we have baptism, because it represents the death, burial, and resurrection God the Father is not willing that any should perish, but he presents his Son as the way to him. This is what God is drawing each person to, whether you're from Ethiopia or from uh, you know, Australia or Indonesia or Brazil. It doesn't matter. God is drawing each person on their own individual journey to Jesus, and Jesus says, now that you believe in me, I'll take you to the Father. Amen? Amen. That's what took place here. His search is over. He'll never need to enter the temple now because the Lord has entered him. Yes. He's become a little temple. He's believed and received, and now he wants to cleave to the truth. He doesn't want to waste any time in obeying Jesus in baptism. Oh, Lord, I pray. I pray that more people in this room, more Christians would say, how soon can I be obedient to Christ? And I get to say, now. He says to Philip, Philip's like, Lord, I've been praying for witness opportunities like this a lot. Not only have I been praying for witness opportunities like this, I've been praying that when they get saved, they ask me the following questions. What can I do immediately for Jesus? Instead of, hey, I'd like to wait 10 years, and after I've done everything I want to do, then when I'm old and can't do the things I want to do, then I'll serve Jesus. Not this man. He says, I don't have any time to waste. What do I need to do? And Philip says, well, the first thing you need to do is be baptized. All right. First time I see water, I'm going to re-ask this question. Why not now? Philip's like, yes, go for it. Yes, yes. You know how many pastors and evangelists are saying, more Ethiopian eunuchs. Amen. He's all in. His journey to the throne of God is over, but his journey as, the, as a son of God is just starting. 
You don't need to waste any more time. You can just get in the water and keep swimming, so to speak. You know, there's actually, as we come to a close, there's actually two stories here, though. Well, I don't have time to talk about one. There's two men here, isn't there? There's Philip. There's the Ethiopian eunuch. God loves them both. One brings the other. When you get to heaven, you're going to meet all the people that God brought to faith in the Ethiopian eunuch that's not recorded in Scripture when he goes back to Africa. When you ever hear that this guy from England brought the gospel to Africa. No, the gospel had gone to Africa well before. And other continents, too. That's a fact. You'll find that out when we get to heaven. You'll hear both their stories and all the things that God did. But uh, God wants you to experience the testimonies of both these men. We've only had time to focus on the one, but both lives reflect the heart of God. But there's actually three responses the Holy Spirit wants to call everyone in this room to. Three responses the Holy Spirit, I know for sure the Lord wants to call everyone in this room to. You may have already responded to one or two or maybe all three of them, and here they are. The first one, if you've been drawn to Christ but never asked Him to be your Lord and Savior... Like the Ethiopian eunuch, if you're here, there's no need, no good reason, no wise reason to wait any longer. Today is the day you should say yes to Jesus. Today is the day you should say yes to Jesus. Today, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. It's the wisest, most peaceful, most joyful thing you could ever do is to say yes to Jesus. That's the first one. Say, well, I've already done that. Praise the Lord. So have I. I avoided getting killed at a four-way intersection, and two years later, I came to my senses and said, yes. Amen. Number two, again, the Lord wants all these responses from everybody, all three of these. If you're saved, but you've never obeyed the Lord in baptism, it's time to take that step of obedience. Time to say, Lord, what hinders me from being baptized? And God would say, none. <laughs> you have hindered yourself. There's lots of people that are willing to baptize you. It's the stepping stone to all the other areas of obedience and the work of the Spirit in your life. It's a stepping stone. It doesn't save you, but it does please Jesus. And wouldn't you want to please Jesus? If it pleases Jesus, that's all you need to know. It'll settle you. It'll further strengthen your commitment, and it helps set your eyes on His plan and His path for your life. All of those reasons are important, but the first and foremost is Jesus said it. That's all we need to know. If Jesus says go, imagine if Philip says, I don't want to go. See, obedience and baptism it starts the whole chain of obedience the rest of your life. You're going to keep saying yes to the Lord the rest of your life. If you can't be baptized today, make the commitment to be baptized as soon as possible. Tell myself or one of our elders or deacons, say, I, I can't today, but I can you please set that thing up again soon? We'll make, we'll make time to get people baptized. We'll move calendars to do what God says is important. We're thrilled to set up another date. So just say, if you can't do it today, say, as soon as possible, I need to get this resolved. And number three, so say, I've already been saved, I've already been baptized, here's the third one. And this may be the response, and I believe it is, that Christ wants for most of us in this room. And here it is. Praise God, you've already been saved, you've already been baptized. But what is the third response? God has called you to be a Philip. God's called you to be a Philip. 
He wants you to hear his voice to say, go. He wants you to hear his voice to say, do. He wants you to hear his voice say, pray. He wants, to hear, he wants you to hear his voice. Your, your ears are tuned to the voice of the Spirit. He wants you to have compassion for people, not your calendar. Compassion for people, not your calendar. Your calendar is God's calendar. He wants you and me to invite people to Jesus, and he wants you to be able to open the Bible and explain to them the Bible. Say, well, I don't know the Bible. You need to start getting into the Bible then. Philip knew the scriptures. God sent a man that knew Isaiah 53. I've never read Isaiah 53. You need to read it. Christ wants you and me to become fishers of men and women. And those who train up and build others up in the word of God. That's what Philip was. Grace flows to us that it would flow to other people. Amen? Flows to us that it would flow to others. I was saved as an Ethiopian eunuch. And in other words, God sent someone to me. If you were saved, you were saved as an Ethiopian eunuch. God sent someone your way. God sent people. The girl cutting my hair went to work and said, who am I supposed to talk to today? And God said, that prideful guy right there. And she did. You heard my testimony. In other words, God drew me. He called me. He sent people my way. After salvation, God then called me to be a Philip. I was saved as an Ethiopian eunuch, but then I went forward as a Philip. Now who else can I go to, Lord? Who can I invest in? Who can I uh, you know, pour into? This was long before I ever knew God wanted me to be um, anyone that knew me before. I, long before I served as a pastor. In fact, I had, sometimes it bums me out, I had many witnessing opportunities and discipleship opportunities when I wasn't a pastor that I don't get now. And sometimes that bothered me. And God says, that's not for you to be worried about. You do what I've called you to do now. Don't live in the past. But some of you have great discipleship, great witness opportunities right now, and you're ignoring them, and God is saying, I've called you to be a Philip. Leading people to the Lord, helping people grow, investing in life, mentoring, being an encourager in the Word. This isn't just for full-time leaders. This is for blood-bought disciples, which is everybody. Hebrews 5.12, he says, by this time you ought to be teachers. How about writing that a letter? You know, ladies, the same way you can teach another woman a skill that you have, God wants you to be able to convey how you walk in the Lord. If you can teach a skill, you can convey how you walk in the Lord. Men, if you can teach a skill or hobby, and there's a lot of good skills and hobbies here. If you can teach a skill or hobby, God wants you to be able to be a guy who can help other men grow in Christ. If you can teach that, you can teach this. Encourage them to be built up in faith. This is our call. We're all called to be on the wall. Nehemiah, chapter 4. We're all called to be on that wall. Christ is calling you to be a Philip. Doesn't matter your age, doesn't matter your station, doesn't matter your abilities, doesn't matter your experience, doesn't matter how I failed at this or I failed at that. God's not listening to any of that stuff. The Lord has highways for us to travel on. Amen? People for us to meet. Sometime once, like Ethiopian eunuch and Philip, they met one time as far as we know. But most times, God's going to have you meet people day after day, re-Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday. Most people you're going to meet a lot, but every now and then you'll meet a one-time person, and they'll go, and they'll be a Philip somewhere else. But most frequently, it's in fellowship and discipleship. Everyone being baptized today are people I've met more than once, and I hope I see them again next week too, right? 
Most of the people I'll keep investing in, I will see on a regular basis, but sometimes not. That's the norm. The people, the Ethiopian eunuch would go on to share Christ with and likely be baptized. They would become his community and his family of new converts just as it had in Jerusalem. Amen? That's all I've got. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time this morning that you are the one, Lord, that draw us unto yourself and you make us new because you bring us to the feet of Jesus. And Lord, I thank you that you save Philip and I thank you that you save the Ethiopian unit. We look forward to seeing the thousands, I believe, that came to Christ because of both these men and their willing to believe, willingness to believe in Jesus and then their willingness to be obedient to Jesus. And Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters here that have done the same and are obedient to you. Lord, I confess I need to be more obedient to you not less, more willing. Lord, I believe that all of us in this room need to be more willing, more yielded, more ready to go where you send us, say what you have us to say, and Lord, love as you've asked us to love. 